Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now let's join the service already in progress. It says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's read together what God said about his son. He said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He said three things over him. Let's say it again. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I'm going to talk to you today in our series called Summer Park Pass, a message that's called The Lion King, The Lion King. Father, thank you for every person in this building today. Bless this message. Bring hope, bring life, bring encouragement, bring a sense of identity and who we are in Jesus. And I pray a special blessing over all these fathers that are here today that you would honor them, that you fill them with wisdom and strength to be able to lead their families in ways that raise up future generations of world changers for the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We live in a culture with so many blended families these days um, that it's really kind of a different message, I think, to speak on fatherhood to a group of people than maybe it would have been 20 years ago just because the family structure has changed so drastically. I know that several years ago I did some research Uh, on kids that live with both parents uh, in the 70s and 80s as opposed to now. And now we've dropped below the 50% rate nationally where less than 50% of kids live with their mom and dad these days as opposed to when it was well over 50% uh, in in earlier generations. I believe that the last time I checked on Osceola in Orange County, it was was hovering around 18 to 20%. Only 18 to 20% of kids live with their mom and dad. So tons of blended families that are out there. Uh, and, and when you, it's kind of a different conversation on why does that happen. There's all kinds of reasons why uh, husbands and wives are not sticking together. Uh, people, a lot of people are making poor choices uh, in their dating world. And uh, to be honest with you, some people are having sex outside of marriage or just hooking, kind of living in a hookup culture where they meet people, they end up having a kid, they really don't want anything to do with a person. They're not really considering what it's like for a child uh, to grow up with only a mom or only a dad. Uh, There's also other things like maybe families that have tried to do all that they can do to stay together and they have a spouse that just walks away. So one parent is left with the kids. So many contributing factors to why we have blended families. But I think no matter what your opinion is on that subject, I think it does bring up the fact that when you have a father that has the opportunity to pour into the lives of his kids, it's more important now than it has ever been. It's really significant that dads care to have a big involvement in their children's lives because the influence of a father is very powerful. And when I say that, I mean the influence or lack of influence from a father. Either one of those are very powerful. Some of us have dads who are amazing in our lives, and their influence has helped shape who we are. I know in my case... I'm truly blessed. I believe I have the greatest dad in the world. But there are some people in this room 
who had, my mom had a, a dad that, to be honest with you, probably one of the worst dads in the history of dads. Maybe other than my wife's situation with her, her real dad died when she was an infant, didn't get to know her father, and she always missed him growing up, wish she could have known him, and had some stepdads and boyfriend, her mom's boyfriends and people that were mean and abusive and just nasty to her. So her whole concept of fatherhood uh, kind of had a negative spin on that. So when we talk about fathers, it's a, it's a hot-button issue. There's a lot of different feelings uh, that come up when we're talking about Father's Day. Some people, you know, you're instantly going to how great your dad is. Some people just had no dad. So I think it's a, a, a great day to really celebrate these amazing men that are here today that, that love their kids and, and, and want to pour into their kids and want to have something to do with their family. They want to help shape the, uh, their families. So I'd like to start off this idea of family and, and I would like to sort of spin it in the direction of the church. Because I think there's a misconception that floats around out there. Especially in our current society today. We're sort of meant, uh, people expect us to believe that there is this sort of universal brotherhood between all human beings. That we're all brothers and sisters. God created us all. We're all children of God. And, and I know that really sounds nice, but it's not a biblical idea that we are all children of God and we are all brothers and sisters today. Well, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible doesn't really teach us a lot about all people being brothers and sisters in a general sense. It actually teaches us about the neighborhood of God. It doesn't teach us about the family of God in terms of all of humanity. That's why when you look at the Ten Commandments, it says, don't look at your neighbor's wife. And wish that that was your wife or wish you could sleep with her. Don't look at your neighbor's oxen and wish that you had them. Uh, don't lie to your neighbor. Don't steal from your neighbor. It's all about your neighbor. Jesus goes on and talks about the fact that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So what we're taught is that we really don't know much about our neighbors. We don't know what their faith is. We don't know what their belief systems are. We don't know that they have uh, the same values as us. But we're supposed to treat them with kindness, with respect, with love as our neighbors. So what we have in common with each other is we live next to each other. We're supposed to love them the same way we love ourselves, the same way we love other people. So the love is supposed to be there. As neighbors, but there's an important principle. John 1.12 teaches us to all that have received him, who have believed in his name, who is that? Jesus. He has given us the right to become children of God. So what that means is that family and looking at one another as brothers and sisters is something that we have to access through the person of Jesus Christ. It is not just in a general sense that we have brothers and sisters with all of humanity. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches us that brotherhood and sisterhood and fatherhood with God in heaven is a right that we must enact. It has been given to us. We have to redeem the right that we have been given by God to become children of God. Can someone say amen today? So in essence, what I mean is... Let's say you won the lottery, and some of you have been trying. Let's say you, you won the lottery. <laughs> uh, I, well, it's not. I don't want to make you feel too bad. Isn't it interesting when, like, some people only play the lottery when it's, like, half a billion dollars? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I really need a half a billion. 
I don't really need 10 million, but I could use half a billion. So I'm going to play the lottery. I remember when that happened a few years ago. Like, this is like 12 years ago. I remember the story. Uh, just so you don't think I'm so high and mighty person over here. Like, I'm standing in this gas station, and this very conservative lady from our church, the, the lottery was like $550 million. I mean, people were like coming here from other states to play the lottery and stuff like that. Everyone was talking about the lottery. So I'm, I'm in a convenience store, and I'm paying for my gas and, and like getting like a drink or something. I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, this lady from our church that is super conservative is standing in front of me, and she doesn't see me. And she had like 12 lottery tickets. And so, she, boy, she's just bouncing around. She's looking at her tickets. All of them have the number seven punched on there. I'm noticing she's got a little pattern going on. She's bebopping around. And you know what she's probably thinking? She's like, Lord Jesus, if you let me hit this thing, I'm going to buy that church. I'm going to pay it off in Jesus' name. I'm going to build an orphanage in Africa. You know my heart, God. You know my heart. I'm going to give half this money away in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? You know how you make deals with God like that? So she's sitting there, she's doing her thing, and all of a sudden she turns around and she sees me. She goes, oh, my God, Pastor, I am so sorry. And I said, are those lottery tickets? And she goes, yes, they are. I'm so embarrassed. I said, you kind of want to hit that money, don't you? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, well, a lot of us in life, one of the problems is we get tempted by the allure of that very thing. I said, and that's... That's, that's very sad. And I said, actually, I hope you don't win. And she goes, oh, no. I said, because I hope I win. And I had a, t- I had a little ticket in my hand. I, she got, I didn't want to be a hypocrite. Like I, I never played before, but that joke was five. I don't play it now. I mean, because the truth of it is, shouldn't we just be faithful with what we got and then just be happy with what God has given us? And then if we're faithful with that, he's going to bless us with more and more. But anyways, so... Your access to the family of God is through the person of Jesus. It's not just something that we share universally. It's through the person of Jesus. I'm not necessarily my brother with my neighbor out there. I'm a neighbor. I'm a neighbor with my neighbor. I'm not a brother with my neighbor unless we have a brotherhood in Christ. You can treat someone with kindness and love. You can treat them like family. I'm not telling you to be rude to people. But I'm saying that the Bible teaches us. That the family relationship is something that comes through the person of Jesus. We have to enact the right that we've been given to have access to God as Father. And here's another thing. Even the whole relationship with God as Father was something that was unheard of in the Old Testament. Did you know nobody in the Old Testament ever talked about God as being Father? I believe there are only two instances in the whole entire Old Testament where God was ever referred to as Father. He was typically referred to as Yahweh. Jehovah, um, El Shaddai, uh, Elohim. It, it was the holy names of God. It was him as this big, strong creator and his name so holy that you couldn't say it. It was never a father-child relationship until this person came along named Jesus. And did you know that Jesus, every time he talked about God, he was always like, yo, my dad is this, my dad is that. He's using the intimate name of God and he taught us and opened up an opportunity for us to be able to relate to God as Father. Can someone say amen in the church today? And I love that. That was unprecedented until, until Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is that God demonstrated through Jesus the way a father is supposed to teach us our identity. A father has the power to teach us our identity in ways that no one else can. We remember things that our fathers do. We remember things that our fathers say or don't say about us. It's very important that we know that we remember what our fathers say and we remember what our fathers don't say. 
I mean, I hear my dad's voice in many things in life. Uh, when I first started driving, he was in the front seat teaching me how to drive. I was on a little two-lane road. The wheels to my car drifted off the pavement and went over into the grass. Well, I was going to, to pull the car back up on the road while I was driving. He said, boy, don't you jerk that car over to the left. You'll shoot that car across the lane and hit somebody head on. Don't you know that if you pull your tires up off the side of the road, if it's going down in the ground, it'll jerk you over. You'll hit that car head on. And, and so we passed and there was no cars. He goes, turn it over to the left and watch how that thing shoots across. And poof, it shot across over there. And so did you know I'm 45 years old and every time my cars drift off, I hear my dad, boy, don't you pull that car over. You're going to jerk that thing I hear, his, I hear his, his voice in my head like it's playing on a tape recorder. You know, another thing, when I was 16 years old, this is something I write about in my book. I look forward to you reading this and, and, and seeing how big of an impact this had on my life uh, in terms of my testimony. But when I was 16, I went to the mall with a friend of mine, and I had a whole pocket full of money. And on a dare, I got dared to steal a pair of socks. I had never stolen anything in my entire life. I'm not, I mean, I just... Never even considered it. But someone dared me to steal a pair of Ralph Lauren polo socks. They had a little polo guy on the side. And so I was like, I don't even want, I don't even want those. I don't even need those. He's like, yeah, that's what I thought. You, you know, you're kind of scared. I'm like, oh, you think, I, well, I'm not scared. I'll steal. He said, whatever. I put the socks in my pocket. I didn't even want them. Anyways, they found me. They, they found out what I did. About an hour later, I'm sitting in the Orange County jail as a six-year-old, grown-up jail. I got no shoelaces, 16 years old. I got, they took my belt buckle off. I'm sitting there with a dude who looked like he just ate somebody. It was scaring me. I'm like, I want my dad. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want to get out of there. I, I want to go home. And, and so my dad comes walking into the jail cell. And you ever envision, like, the way you're going to die? You start realizing what it's going to look like. I was so afraid of death at this moment. My future was finished. I knew that there was, I'd never do anything again for the rest of my life. But you know, my dad walked in that jail cell, and I remember when he walked right up there, and he had the most kind look on his face. And he's looking at me and smiling at me. And, and it, it wasn't the kind of smile like, yeah, crime is fun, huh? No, it, it was like, it was this kind of smile, just like, I love you, sort of thing. And like, and, and don't you know, that, that almost hurt worse than if he was mad at me. Because as I got in my, as we got in the car and started driving home, he still had that little demeanor about him. And I said, Dad, what are you doing? Please say something. I don't know how to feel about what's going on right now. Am I dead? What's going on? And, and he goes, it's just not you. He goes, that's just not who you are. Those words, that's not who you are. If you knew how much that meant to me when he said it, that I had a dad that did not give up on me. He saw something great in me in spite of the worst moment of my life. He saw that there was still potential. He saw that there was still a future. Those words stuck with me on such a level. Fathers have an ability and a power to affirm and speak life over their kids in a way that almost no one else can. Someone or something in your life will try to step into your world and take the place that a father should have had of affirming you towards something. You will reach a juncture in your life that if you have never been affirmed by your parent, that something will come to your life and will try to affirm you and try to affirm your identity towards something. I'm thankful that I had parents that spoke life over me. Now, in The Lion King, it's such a good movie. I got to watch it yesterday again with my, my family. We all watch it together, the kids and aim. And as I'm watching the movie, I love the story. It's about this king, Mufasa, who leads this uh, place called Pride Rock. 
and all the animals are there. And he has this son called Simba, he and his wife, and this uh, sort of prophet character named Rafiki sort of uh, anoints Simba as the future king at the beginning. There's a celebration. All the animals recognize that this little cub someday is going to grow up and take over from Mufasa and rule everyone, and he's going to be the next ruler. So then we get to see Simba growing up, and Mufasa takes him out and, and shows him the whole kingdom and says, this is where you can go. This is where you can't go. We never go to this area over there because we don't have jurisdiction there. We're not supposed to be there. And also remember, son, that someday you're going to take over from me and I'm going to be gone. And it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about you stepping into my shoes and filling the destiny that you, you're supposed to have for your life. And somewhere along the way, Mufasa's brother named Scar, who hates Simba because Scar was entitled to the throne before Simba was born, but now Simba has taken his place. And so his first plan is to kill Simba, and it doesn't work. Then he comes up with another plan where he figures out a way that he can kill Mufasa, and only Simba will be left. So he, he successfully executes that plan, and Mufasa ends up dying. But he blames the whole thing on Simba and makes Simba think that it's his fault that his dad has died. And so when Simba doesn't know what to do, he's just a young cub, Scar says, the only way to fix this is for you to go to a far-off country, leave, get away from here, never tell your mom, never tell anyone what happened. As a matter of fact, Simba didn't even do it, but Scar lies and convinces him that the death was his fault, that he caused the stampede that left, led to his father's death. So Simba leaves and runs away and runs to a different land. He finds new friends who have a philosophy in life. Don't worry about anything that bothers you, that you struggle with in life. Just be happy over everything that happens. Don't worry about the past. You can't change it. It's a very laid-back sort of island lifestyle. Uh, just, just everything is chill all the time. Everything is cool until somebody from Simba's past comes. Her name is Nala, and she confronts him and lets him know that that whole world that he came from, that he's supposed to be the king, is falling apart without him. And then another person comes into his life. Rafiki comes back into his life. It says, hey, you can't be living the way you're living right now. This don't worry, be happy thing is not helping anybody in the kingdom that you're supposed to be ruling over. You need to come take your rightful place. And, and, and he says, well, I don't even know what to do. And, and Rafiki says to him, he said, hey, by the way, your dad is still alive. He says, what do you mean my dad is still alive? He, he's dead. I saw him dead. He said, no, come follow me. So he follows Rafiki, and Rafiki takes him to some water. And he says, look in the water. What do you see? And he, first he sees his own reflection. And he says, look even closer. And when he looks even closer, he realizes that it's his father, Mufasa's reflection that he sees himself. And Rafiki says to him, he says, he lives in you. And so what happens is through this whole process, now he's awake and he has this experience that if I'm ever going to get my destiny, I have to remember what my dad said about me. If I'm ever going to get my destiny, I have to remember what my father told me I was going to do. And I have to go claim my destiny. I can't just live the no worry, be happy lifestyle anymore. I've got to go get aggressive and confront what has tried to keep me from my future. And I love that about the movie, that good fathers affirm their kids, they accept their kids, and they have affection for their kids. And I believe that that's what Simba does, and, or that's what Mufasa does in The Lion King. And I believe that's what the Father God does with Jesus when he was baptized in Matthew 3. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I think, number one, good fathers accept their children. I think it's important, Dad, for you to look at your kids and say, you are, you are my son. You are my daughter. Look them right in the eye and say, you are my son. You are my daughter. I do it to my kids all the time. I look right at my boy. Say, you're my son. 
And, and he doesn't just go, yeah, I know, you've told me 80,000 times. Uh, he knows what I mean when I say that. It means I love you. You're part of my legacy. You're part of my heritage. When I tell my daughter, you're my daughter. She knows that what that means. When I say you're a smith, when I look at either one of, any of the three of the kids, I say you're a smith. They, know what the, they don't say, yeah, there's like 2, 000, 2 million smiths in the United States. It's the number one most popular name. Uh, that's not what I, they know that's not what I'm talking about. They know that it means there's a heritage, there's a legacy, there's a destiny that goes along with being a smith. God has poured things through my dad, through my grandfather, through my great-grandparents that have come down to me, and now I'm passing it on to you. There's a standard that I expect for your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. I'm your dad. I can see things that even you can't see. I speak destiny over you when you're sleeping at night, when you don't even know what's going on. I'm praying for the future that God is going to... Uh, open up for you someday. See, good fathers accept their children. And see, and please don't think that I'm trying to be up here today saying that I'm the greatest father in the world. I, even last night, I told my son something that I regretted the way I said it. I said something to him trying to encourage him, and I said it in a way that actually hurt his feelings. It made me feel terrible after it was over with. And when I went to bed, Last night, I just was laying there thinking, and, and the way, he, and what I love about my son is when, when I said it to him, he, he, instead of saying, Dad, you're a jerk, you know what he did? He came up and he hugged me. He put his head on my shoulder and he hugged me. And, and, and I went to bed that night and, and I just didn't feel good. And so when we woke up, we were just sitting next to each other this morning. I was kind of touching up on my notes. I just said, Buddy, I said, Man, I love you. I'm really, he goes, no, 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 don't apologize, Dad. He goes, I totally forgive you. He said, I know that you love me. He said, I know that you're just trying to say what was best for me. And I love that about my son. But you know, I'm growing as a dad too. I want to be a good dad. But I, I want to make sure that I'm following these principles along the way. I'm not as good as Father God. I can only be as good as I can be. But I want to improve and make myself better. So be the same way with your kids. Be vulnerable with your kids. If you haven't done these things, talk to them. And learn how to grow in your relationship so you can both go where God wants you to go. But a good father accepts their children. And, and you know, I believe when he says, this is my son. I believe you need to say that to your kids. And I believe it's important for you to know too. If you're not a dad or you're a lady or something, you're here today, you're like, I'm not a dad, I'm just a, a lady. You know, I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about here today. Uh, well, I'll tell you something today. You are a child of God today. And God is speaking over to you today. And he's saying, you are my child. And God can't say that enough over me. He can't say that enough over me. Jeff, you're my son. I love every time God tells me I'm his son. I was struggling with something a few years ago. Felt like I couldn't hear an answer from heaven. And I got quiet, and I was with the Lord for a moment, and he said, hey, just let me be your dad. He said, just let me be your dad right now. You're, not, you're, you're approaching this the wrong way. Just let me be a dad. And you know what I did? I did what my son did to me last night. I just leaned into my dad, my father God, and he just put his arms around me, and he gave me peace in my heart that I couldn't, couldn't get from anything else. Sometimes God just wants you to know that you're his child, and that's what he's speaking over you today. Number one, good fathers accept their children. Number two, good fathers have affection for their children. He said, this is my son whom I love. You say, well, I'm just not a very expressive person. Well, learn how to be expressive. Learn how to truly express. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus was not closed off with his feelings. God the Father is affirming his son. He's letting the whole world know, this is my boy and I love him. I love this boy. It's important for you to let your kids know that you love them. We come from generations, a couple of generations back, that were so closed 
A lot of people from my, grand, my grandfather's generation, men were considered weak if they ever said, I love you. And, and there are many uh, men from that generation that said, well, they know I love them because I work for them. Well, sometimes they may know, but they need to hear it. It's really important that as parents, we express our love for our kids. It's important as husbands and wives that we express our love for one another. I mean, sometimes you'll, you know, sometimes you hate it if you have the principles that my family does, but we have a rule. You're not allowed to leave any room or say goodbye on any phone conversation without saying, I love you. This makes you so frustrated when you're in a fight with someone. I'm just telling you, it can be very frustrating when you're, when you're angry and you're mad at someone and you're about to go, but this is the deal that you have in your family. This is a part of your core values. When you're mad and you know that you're not allowed to hang up without saying I love you, you say, yeah, well, well I don't really appreciate what you said. And by the way, I've got some stuff going on. I got to go. Love you, bye. I mean, you, 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 throw, you, you don't want to say it. You don't want to say it, but you, you have to pop that joker in there. You can't break the rule if that's your core value. Can I get an amen from somebody? You can't break the rule if that's your core value now. You've got to be sticking with your core values unless you want to go against everything that you stand for in life. And see, our family, it's very important to us that we express our love for each other. Why? Because we see a model that God the Father expressed his love for his son. So therefore, in our relationships, we want to express the love that we have for one another. So you may not be a very expressive person. I'm not criticizing that. I'm saying, just learn how to get over that and learn how to communicate to the people that are in your life how important they are, they are to you and how much you love them. Uh, I feel like number three is good fathers, they affirm their children. They affirm their children. This is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Now here's the part where I think we miss it. Is I think that we get afraid that affirming our kids as our children are the same thing as affirming their lifestyle choices or their behavior. Those are two different things. Don't mix up the fact that we affirm who they are, not always what they do. It's important for us to know that we can still affirm who they are without affirming all the decisions that they make. And I think sometimes many people don't give them any of the stuff that we've talked about. We don't want ownership. We don't want to say they're my son. We don't want to say I love them because we don't agree with their lifestyle choices. We don't want to affirm them. Oh, if I affirm them, they're going to think I affirm all the decisions they're making. That has nothing to do with anything. What God is saying about his son Jesus here is he's saying, this is my boy. I love him and I'm proud of him. This is before Jesus has done any of his public ministry. He's just getting started here, yet the father is already proud of him. Why? Not because of what he's done, because of who he is. See, you're proud of your family because of who they are. You're proud of your family because of who they are. Mia, when I asked Mia, you know, I remember when she was young, I would always say, guess what? And she would go, you love me. And she knew. She knew what I was about to say. Jude, when he was little, I'd say, where's the most handsome boy in the world? He'd say, I over here, daddy. Uh, he, knew, he knew what I, I that's the way, uh, even if, he knew I was talking to him every time. And my little daughter, Zoe, she's seven years old right now. And, and I always say this with her. I always say, I know something. And she'll go, I'm beautiful. And I'll go, yeah, but how do you know that? she go, because you tell me like 10,000 times every single day. And I, I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you 20,000 times then because you're beautiful and I'm your father and you're never going to meet some boy when you grow up that's going to tell you something you ain't heard from me already to begin with. That is our responsibility as parents to let them know we are proud of them because of who they are. That's what God does to us. God is proud of us. He says to us, we are the salt of the earth. 
He says, you are the apple of my eye. He says, you are the light of the world. You are a friend of God. You are a new creation. He's not basing that on your behavior. He's basing that on your sonship, on your daughterhood through the person of Jesus Christ. Some parents withhold affirmation because they don't agree with the lifestyle and you have no idea how damaging that is to the child. The child needs to have an affirmation of knowing that you love them, you respect them, you honor them because of who they are. I feel like a lot of people in this room, maybe you've lived in that place in your life where you haven't listened to the Father's voice about who you are enough. Maybe like Simba, based on a mistake in your life or something that you perceived as a a crossroads in your life that you made the wrong choice and went the wrong direction. Maybe you've abandoned your destiny because it seems too difficult or like it's done and it's over with and you're already on plan B, C, D, or Z or whatever. You can never have God's best for your life. So you're just laying back, living the don't worry, be happy life. If I can't change what happened in the past, well, I tell you want something. I want to be your Rafiki today. I want to be the old baboon that gets up in your face and lets you know that you still have a purpose. You still have a destiny for your life. You still have a calling of your life on your life. You need to go look in the reflection. In the water, you need to go look at your own reflection. And if you see yourself and if you see your own shame, then keep looking and keep looking and keep looking again until you see Jesus. You see the reflection of your Father. Why? Because just like the story says, He lives in you. He lives in you. Your Father's calling is still on your life. Your Father's calling and purpose and destiny is still on your life. You haven't abandoned it. You just got to leave that old life behind. Don't let your actions and your mistakes of your past identify you. Don't ever let a decision you make in the past identify you. That was Simba's mistake. He let his bad choice in his mind identify him. Only let God identify you. Never give someone the power to identify you that didn't have the power to create you. The only person that has the power to identify you is the one that created you. And that's your Father God that is in heaven today. Amen. You are accepted. He loves you. You've been affirmed. Don't look at your reflection today. Don't see the reflection of your guilt and your shame. See the reflection of your Father. See the reflection of what Jesus did on the cross. Never forget who you are. Never forget who you are. One of my favorite movies is the movie Gladiator. I love Gladiator because Maximus loses everything in this movie and he essentially becomes a slave and, and he, he, he was a, a commander and a, and a general and um, his wife is murdered his kids murdered and he's this evil, evil emperor now makes him fight and, he does, and no one knows his identity he wears a mask and what I love is that through everything Maximus went through in this story He never lost the sense of his identity, who he really is. You can go through adversity as long as you know who you are, as long as you know what your identity is. Because at the end of the movie, he has a face-to-face encounter with Commodus, this evil emperor. And Commodus says, your fame is well-deserved, Spaniard. I don't think there's ever been a gladiator to match you. As for this young man, he insists you are Hector reborn. Or was it Hercules? Why doesn't the hero reveal himself and tell us all your all your real name or do you have a name and Maximus is going by his anonymous name right now he says my name is Gladiator and he turns away from the emperor and the commodus says how dare you show your back to me slave you will remove your helmet and tell me your name 
But some of you today need to do what Maximus did. You need to take off the helmet that hides your destiny. You need to take off the helmet that's been keeping you from your purpose. And he looks right at him. He says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commanders of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Ooh, come on. Don't be defined by something that didn't have the power to create you today. There's destiny in this room. There's a lot of Simbas that are singing, don't worry to be happy now. You need to be singing the circle of life because that's where it all comes back to. You got to get your destiny back today. You got to get your purpose back. You got to get on the right track again because God called you. He hasn't given up on you. A lot of great dads in this room. You just need to remember some of the encouragement I gave you. Accept your kids. Give them affection give them affirmation and don't forget like the story says he lives in you this concludes the teaching if you'd like to support what god is doing here at city of life click on the give button at www.col.tv or text the dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900 we hope you'll join us again